You're listening to Scarif Bay Community Radio and it is just the most amazing pleasure and honour to be joined by our next guest. Um, Donald Ryan has been described in the Guardian newspaper as the king of the new wave of Irish writers. And it is indeed a pleasure for us to have you um, join us today, Donald. How are you? I'm great. Thanks, Cara. It's great to be here. Oh, good, good. Now, you're really just kind of from across the lake, you know, from us, we're here in East Clare, so we're on the, the shores of Loch Derg, and the places that you write about are very familiar to Clare people. You're a, you're a, you're a proud son of Tip, but they're very familiar to us when you write about the graves of the Leinster men and all of these, these places that we've, we've been, we can identify with so, so easily. It's, 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 it's fantastic. But, what I wanted to say was that um, I understand that your sister gave you some advice about you sometimes being a bit negative about your books. We're, we're talking about your new book, The Queen of Dirt Island, and she said you need to talk it up more, Donal, and because you love this book. Tell, tell us why you love it so much. Well, I do, because I think the characters um, are based so um, closely on composites of people that I love um, and I, I think it happens, it often happens, I think, with, with people who um, write fiction, um, that, you know, you end up feeling very close to your characters, um, and you end up feeling a kind of um, almost parental love for your book, because it's something you've created and put into the world. Um, I mean, that's, but that, that, to be honest, that statement itself, in a way, kind of denigrates actual parents, but um, it's, you know, parental love for this inanimate thing. But in a way, I mean, a story does live. Yes. So it, it can feel that way sometimes. You feel it just a kind of protectiveness. But I have a terrible, I mean, uh, and I suppose it's kind of, in, in a way, a rural Irish impulse to um, to kind of talk ourselves down a bit um, and to mm-hmm. not want to um, anyone to say, oh, you think of race, you know? It's, it's not, yeah, it's, yeah. Um, and it's terrible thing, because we should, we yeah. all should think of race. We're hardwired not to, are. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But do you found this, I mean, it's, you know, it's already been reported that you have found this book that came out last month, um easier to write that it came to you and, and and it's written in vignettes in this in this beautiful very every every vignette within it is quite complete and did did it how is it that that was so easy to write you not every book you wrote was easy to write i'm sure no it actually felt like an absolute gift it felt like something that was just i mean and i don't, didn't feel deserving of, of this gift but I, I sat here in my office um having finished a fairly long novel that took about two years to write, um, and after, you know, kind of back and forth with my publisher, realising that the book in its current form wasn't publishable and needed a huge amount of work, and I just, I hadn't heard for it, and I thought, what, what am I going to do? I just, I just don't want to take this book apart and fix it and put it back together, um, you know, because it was just felt kind of exhausted, and the idea for this book, the Queen of Dirt Island kind of landed fully formed in my imagination, and I, I saw the story. Um, kind of, I had a, a good instinct about how it would end up, and um, what would happen. You know, how much crossover to be from the previous novel, Strange Flowers, and it kind of, you know, it landed fully formed, and it just seems to be a matter of for twelve weeks, um, sitting down every day and writing bit by bit. Um, you know, and the vignettes kind of flowed fairly easily. Um, they didn't take a huge amount of plotting and planning, um, and it was, you know, I. It, it, it seems like a once-in-a-lifetime kind of thing this happens. Um, I've heard other novelists like Mary Costello and Kevin Power say before that every writer has 
wouldn't a week book you know? oh <laughs> good that was almost to the day. You, you, you've had yours now is that it you won't get another one like that but yeah well I mean I'd love if I did but yeah. I, I doubt it well, well it's, it's an absolute delight and you write so well uh, and it's so often said about your writing about you write about strong female characters like mm. I, I I always remember in the and um all we shall know, you know, that you were in the headspace of the the young pregnant girl or the pregnant woman in that through her gestation, you know. And I, I used to keep putting that down and thinking, how does that man know what it's like to feel as a pregnant woman at this point? But, you know, you, you don't have a problem getting into the heads of women. No, well, I think the key to it is to not worry um, is to, and, and not worry about getting it wrong um, okay. and allowing yourself a really messy, expensive, aggressive first draft where you can make all sorts of mistakes. Okay. And then you can try your best to paint over those mistakes and to erase them um, bit by bit in subsequent drafts. But, yes. I mean, fiction has always got to work. I mean, I, I still have no idea exactly how it feels to be Melody Shee in that position and being pregnant and being <laughs> separate from her husband. But, you know, I, I think I give a fair old go of, of, um, of judging it. I mean, as, you know, because none of us know exactly how it feels to be somebody else. So fiction is always, in a way, a series of guesswork, you know, a series of guesses that sometimes come off and sometimes come off less well, depending on, on the reader, you know. I mean, you can't dictate to a reader how they're supposed to take something or how they're supposed to react. So it's, it's No, and, and, and the characters, although set in the rural setting of very, you know, very obviously North Tip and, and, and the area around there, that, you know, you, you, you pluck from, you know, the, a man fleeing from Aleppo in, you know, from, the low, from a low and quiet sea and, you know, the, the young traveller or whatever, you know, in All We Shall Know. And, you, and you, you put them into the settings of this North Tip. That you, you're writing about a New Ireland as well, aren't you? Absolutely. I mean, you know, it's, it, it's, it's kind of um, part of the cheat sheet that I draw from when I write fiction. Um, the fact that I use the landscape and lexicon of North Tipperary over, and, and East Clare as well, over and over again, and West Limerick and East Limerick, and places that I'm familiar with yes. in rural Ireland, because it's just a very accessible and amenable raw material for fiction. The, the, the language is, is, is um, easily used by me, and the landscape is easily imagined. And so that's kind of a, a, just a way of telling stories. Yeah. Um, Good morning, and Donald. This is Georgine Collar, and I'm on with Carol this morning. And uh, the Queen of Dirt Island is a pleasure that awaits me. Carol didn't say that we're both avid fans <laughs> of your writing. Um, Thanks, Charlene. You're welcome. Um, and it's a great pleasure to have you on. I'm just thinking, I'm just going to change tech a little bit now. I was introduced very recently in the last few years to short stories. I never had any, as they say here in Ireland, maths on them before. But I have mm. to say your book of short stories, A Slanting of the Sun, had some of those stories had a profound effect on me. I'm thinking of Long Puck and uh, some of the other stories. I mean, they're not, you can't forget those stories. Uh, um like, do you base all your stories on some element of truth or, you know, do you, do you take an incident mm. you've heard of or? I do. I think, yeah, I, I think there's definitely a spark. Um, there has to be some kind of spark in the real world for um, the composition of, of all fiction, no matter where it's based or where it's set or, or what it's about. Um, I think there'll be some kind of impulse um, that, that can be generated by something that you've experienced or witnessed. Um, you know, some of them, are, uh, for me, are outlandish. You know, I wrote a story about a serial killer who decided to retire. Um, yes, I, I feel kind yeah. Of, uh, I feel kind of, um, 
an attending <laughs> skills about that because you know it, it in a way it kind of gave a voice to somebody who shouldn't have a voice. Um, <laughs> yeah. In a way, I think it's important for us to to try to realise things that are way beyond our comprehension um, when it comes to fiction. I think it's one of the functions of, of the writing of fiction, it's one of the functions of literature, to try to cast light on things that are occluded and dark. Um, but there, there'll always be something. I mean, I wrote a story once about um, an immigrant from Central Africa, um, and it was based on a snatch of a conversation I heard while I was out for a run, and just two people engaged in the conversation in a particular aspect, in a particular dynamic that, that occurred that, that, that seems to me to be going on. And I mean, I could have been wildly wrong about it, you know, but I mean, they're not identifiable in the story at all. There's no, there's no risk. But you know, I think they're all around us. As Kevin Berry said, I think stories are left in our path. You know, they're, 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 they're strewn about waiting to be found. Yeah. yeah, but there's a particular little twist in some of them, like the, the, the uh, A Slanting of the Sun, the last story in the book. That is a very unusual story about the burglary and the young man and the blue eyes. I mean, I, it's a while since I read that now, but that, that stays with me. And the fact that he was the carer in the end of this man that, you know, who went through that awful trauma. I mean... Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and it, I think it's one of the worst, one of the worst things about modern Ireland is the fact that there are gangs running amok up and down the motorway yeah. and terrorizing people and yeah. I, and I, I really and I, I, that started out actually as a kind of a revenge story because I, I, I felt such anger about the fact that this was happening to people yeah. and it kind of became of its own accord a redemption story and that seemed as powerful in a way as, as revenge the fact that you know that this person was involved but you know was just absolutely um, shocked at the evil that he was part of and in a way, try to try to make amends. I mean, yeah. you never really can. Some some people spend their whole lives trying to make amends for things that you know can never be can never be righted. But no. it's just one of the eternal tragedies of, of existence, I suppose. Yeah. Well, anyway, keep writing. Donald but there's uh, uh, sorry, uh, Joan. Like there's universal truths that I mean. When I read uh, from a low and quiet sea, and I recently was lucky enough to see it in Galway. Um, that uh, there was a fabulous production during the arts festival of 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 the of your of your book, but th- there's a passage in that which is or there's a few pages in it where it's where your Syrian refugees families are you know fleeing Aleppo and they're on that boat and they realise that they're going nowhere you know they've been yeah. codded by the people smugglers, and I, I would like that to be like. Uh, just a mission statement all over the world where people could realise that the people that they might see walking around Dennis or Scarif or Nina mm. are people who have maybe had that journey. And that has stayed with me since I read that. I cannot get that picture out of my head. And I'm glad, you know. So it's, it, I know, I'm, I'm so glad that stuff like The Spinning Heart now is on the leaving, sir. How do you feel about that? That was great. I often mentioned the fact that um, my English teacher for Living Search, Martin Slattery, um, from Nina, um, said to us once, I think in fifth year or sixth year, he goes, you know, someday one of you could be on Living Search. Fifty years from now, one of you could be on <laughs> 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 I spoke to Martin recently, actually. He was a, great, he was a fantastic teacher. It was great. I mean, like, it's, it's, it's kind of, um, it's, it's kind of um, something that places you almost automatically into the canon, even in, in an artificial way, because it's under leaving sort of seems to be canonical, yes. but it, yeah. it, it's just a good thing. But I mean, I, sometimes I feel a little bit of um, embarrassment about <laughs> the whole thing, because <laughs> no, you know, the, vain and <laughs> I wish I was embarrassed like you. Yeah, no, no need for that. Now, you write a lot about your wife, Anne-Marie, as being your greatest mentor, ed- 
editor, inspiration, and lots of other things, I'm sure. Do you always accept her critique, or do you ever say, listen, I'm not going to do that, because I know she's very important to you in the writing process. No, I absolutely, I, I couldn't stand the thought of publishing something that she didn't like, um, and so I, I, I've... I shifted very early on in my writing career to the standpoint that everything that I publish has to be something that Emery loves. Um, and if she doesn't, there's no point. So she's my first she's my first reader. And um, her immediate, visceral reaction to what I write is what's important to me. And it's kind of how I measure whether or not I'm succeeding. Um, and it's it's fantastic. And I mean, I genuinely wouldn't be. And I've been accused of that. Um, that her ridiculous Victorian slur um, that I can't think of now, it's some silly words that's used to describe men who pay too much attention to their wives and give them oh too much God. credit. Oh, God, we don't want to know yeah, that know word. That, yeah. We've no interest in that word. <coughs> <laughs> no, that's well done. Oh, yeah, the word is auxorious. You're oh, auxorious, because yes. it was seen as a moral failing to describe any merit to your wife at all um, until about 100 <laughs> years ago. But it's just thrown around by idiots here and there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the plain fact is that I wouldn't have written my first novel if it hadn't been for her encouragement. Okay. And because she knew I harbored this ambition to be a writer and she encouraged this and let me stay going, really. Yeah, and staying going. I think we have to we have to finish up, uh, Donald. But staying going is such a good experience. I mean, forty seven rejections Absolutely. for um, for the spinning heart, and uh, you know th- th- this book has been you know called Le Coeur qui tourne, which is you know it, it, the French translation of it. like it's not just in Ireland that you're big. You're big in so many places. And if you had given up, when, and, and to all would-be writers out there, is there just one final word about keep going, or what is it, except Absolutely. rejection? You really have to brace for us, um, and, you know, be rejected, and take whatever critique you're given, and if it doesn't, doesn't suit your purposes, filter it out, um, but just write as much as you can, not necessarily every day, but pay attention to your craft, yes. and write your stories sentence by sentence. If you take care of your sentences, as John McGarren exhorts us all, mm-hmm. it'll exactly. all take care of itself. Donal Ryan, a pure pleasure to have you join us here. We're really honoured. And thank you so much for this, your sixth novel, um, The Queen of Dirt Island. I hope everybody will go out and read it very soon because it's unputdownable. (laughs) And I hope you'll come back again to talk to Carolyn and myself. (laughs) Thanks, Donald. Be well. Bye.